Well, hey there. Very nice to see you again. Now, told you guys that I would see you after Christmas. But instead of taking a break from the weird and unexplained, what better way than to head into the new year with a new episode? So, if you recall, a few episodes ago, we talked about doppelgangers. I'm sure you have your own opinions on whether doppelgangers are real or fake. But I do know that you probably have experienced the weird happening of someone coming up to you and saying, Hey, you look like a guy I know. Or, hey, you just look so familiar, I just can't place it. Everyone has it happen to them once in a while. Maybe you have a doppelganger. Maybe you just have a very, I don't know, familiar face. But the story that I'm about to tell you tonight is actually neither. Because this guy would find someone who looked identical to him. Was he a doppelganger? No. He just so happened to have been separated at birth. Tonight I want to tell you the story and about this weird experiment, gotta love psychology, about what happens if you separate twins at birth. And as always, if you're new here, I'm your host and curator of all things strange and unexplained, and this is not another horror podcast When 19-year-old Robert Shafron drove from his home in Scarsdale, New York to the Catskills for his first day at Sullivan Community College in 1980, he was shocked to find that everyone already knew and adored him. Welcome back, guys said. Girls ran up and kissed him. Finally, a fellow student Michael Dominance connected the dots after asking if Shafran was adopted. You have a twin, he said. Dominance was a friend of Edward Gallen, who dropped out of Sullivan the previous year. He knew Galland was also adopted, and he called him right away. Shafran was stunned to hear a voice identical to his own. On the other end of the line and decided he couldn't wait to meet his new brother. That day, 
Chevron and Dominus drove to the New Hyde Park, home where Galen lived with his adoptive parents. That day, Chevron and Dominus drove to the New Hyde Park, Long Island home, where Galen lived with his adoptive parents. When the door opened, Chevron says in the film Three Strangers, he saw his own face staring back at him. It was like everything faded away, and it was just me and Eddie. But as he was soon discover, it wasn't. It was actually just the beginning. Because remember how I told you this was a story about two twins finding their way to each other? Well, I lied. It's actually the story of triplets. You see, months later, David Kelman, a student at Queens College, saw a news story about the reunited twins and recognized his own face twice in the photos. He called Gullen's house and got his mother who said, oh my God, they're coming out of the woodwork. Three identical strangers, the documentary that you can actually watch on Hulu right now, chronicles a story so wild that as Shafran says in the film, I wouldn't believe it if someone else was telling it. And once the long lost siblings found each other, their story became even more shocking as they discovered they had been part of a decades-long psychological experiment that had controlled their destiny. The triplets were born to a teenage girl on July 12, 1961, at Hillside Hospital in Glen Oaks, New York, split up at six months by the now-defunct Manhattan Adoption Agency, Louise Wise Services. The boys were raised within 100 miles of each other, None of the adoptive parents knew of the other brothers. Before the babies were placed in their adoptive homes, the agency had told the prospective parents that the children were part of a routine childhood developmental study. The parents say it was strongly implied that participation in the study would increase their chances of being able to adopt the boys. For the first 10 years of their lives, the siblings were each visited by research assistants, led by Dr. Peter Neubiger, a prominent child psychologist who had worked closely with Sigmund Freud's daughter, Anna. It appears there were at least four a year for the first two years and a minimum of one visit per year after that, said the film's director, Tim Wardle. Officially, the study went on for a decade. However, said Wardle, it's clear from some of the study records that the scientists continue to follow from a distance and collect data on the triplets' progress for many years after this. The Uberger study, initially brought to light by New Yorker writer Lawrence Wright, involves separating a still unknown number of twins and triplets at birth and placing them with families of varying economic and emotional reserves. The intention? To answer the question, of nature versus nurture. The brothers were placed with families who were working class, Kelman, middle class, Galen, and upper middle class, Shafron, 
Kelman's father, a grocery store owner, was a warm and loving man who eventually became affectionately known as Bubla to all three of the young men. Shaffron reports his upbringing to have been slightly more reserved. With his doctor father often away, Galen clashed with his father who, according to Wardle, had a different idea of what men should be. Collectively, they represented a spectrum of nurture. That era, the 50s and 60s, was the wild west of psychology. The Milgram experiments on human obedience, the Stanford prison experiment, psychology was trying to establish itself as a new science and people were pushing the envelope. Still, Newbiger and his associates were not roundly accepted and the director they approached other agencies to be part of the study and were told, you can split up twins and triplets. What are you thinking? Still, Newberger and his associates were not roundly accepted. They approached other agencies to be part of the study and were told, you can't split up twins and triplets. What are you thinking? Even at that time, it was pretty extreme. Conducted in the family's homes, the meetings evolved test such as puzzles and drawings, and were always filmed. Behavioral problems were evident almost immediately in the triplets. According to their adopted parents as babies, all three would regularly bang their heads against the bars of their cribs in distress. Kelman thinks he knows why. It was absolutely separation and anxiety. Mental health issues continued as the boys got older. By the time they were college age, Kelman and Galen had been in and out of psychiatric hospitals. Shaffron was on probation after having pleaded guilty to charges connected to the murder of a woman in a, in a 1978 robbery. Those who were studying us saw there was a problem happening, and they could have helped, Kelman told the New York Post. That's the thing we're most angry about. They could have helped and didn't. In the early days, life for the reunited triplets was a party. The strapping young men made the talk show rounds and moved into an apartment together in Flushing, Queens. We were sort of falling in love, said Kelman of the time. It was, you like this thing. I love that. There was definitely a desire to like the same things and to be the same. But as they spent more time together, he recalled, there would also be times when one of us was closer to another and it was not fun to be the odd man out. They met their mother briefly in the early 80s. Hers was an underwhelming story, says Kelman in the film. A prom night knock up. She had drinks with them but didn't pursue any further relationship. In 1988, the trio opened a restaurant in Soho called Triplets Romaine Steakhouse. Sheffron left the business several years later and it closed in 2000. We did a lot of crazy things, Shaffron said in an interview with the New York Post. Like march down 42nd Street with one of us perched on the other's two shoulders, stopping traffic. One night we ran into a celebrity photographer, Shaffron added. She said, I worked for the Village Voice and Rolling Stone. 
Let me hang out and take your picture. She took us to Peppermint Lounge and the Mud Club. We were wearing these Izod Lacoste shirts and like matching white jeans. Going to places where people had multiple piercings and all kinds of color in the hair. We felt like virgins in a brothel. They were also spotted on the street by director Susan Settleman. She was like, you're the guys. Will you be in my film? Shefferin recalled. The film was 1985, desperately seeking Susan. In one scene, Madonna jumps out of a convertible and heads into an apartment, catching a smile from the three brothers lounging by the stoop. We were kind of cautious about doing it, says Shefferin, because the whole crew had this sort of leathery punk look. As the triplets basked in their newfound bond and endless similarities, their adoptive parents were beginning an investigation into why the trio had been separated in the first place. They convened a meeting with several officials at Louis Wise who gave them little information. They said the reason was because it was hard to place three children in one home. But Kelman says, at that moment, my father blew his stack. He said, we would have taken all three. There's no question. The parents left frustrated and angry, but Shafrin's father had forgotten his umbrella. He went back to get it, and he walked into the room to see them breaking open a bottle of champagne and toasting each other, as if they had dodged a bullet. The furious parents vowed to take legal action, but, said Wardle, they couldn't find any law firms that would take the case. Some firms told the parents they had partners who were trying to adopt from the agency and they didn't want to damage their chances. Eventually, the brothers married off and had kids of their own. David and Janet Kelman had two daughters, Allie and Raina. Robert and Eileen had a daughter, Elisa and his son, Brandon. And Eddie and Brenda had one daughter, Jamie. Of all the triplets, Galen seems to have been the one who was the most affected by the discovery of one another. Growing up, Galen said his adoptive father didn't quite see eye to eye, Wardle said. They had a very dysfunctional relationship, so when he met his brothers for the first time, he felt this is my family. He put everything into being with his brothers. But in 1995, Galen, who had exhibited increasing signs of bipolar disorder, killed himself with a gun at his home in Maplewood, New Jersey. A heartbreaking detail that isn't in the film is that Eddie moved several times so that he could be close to the brothers, said Wardle. He did that, I think three times. He had moved close to David and his family when he ultimately died. He was living across the street from them, which is kind of tragic. After Gallen's suicide, Shefferin and Kevin drifted apart. Their relationship marked by the whiplash of initial euphoria and the harrowing events that came later. It would be fair to say their relationship was very strained from that point. Robert left the restaurant. But the brothers did begin to get somewhat closer when they started to make the Hulu documentary. Today, Shafran is a lawyer living in Gravesend, Brooklyn. Kelman, who is still in New Jersey, and in the process of a divorce is an independent general agent working in life insurance, Medicare, and annuities. He has remained in touch with Galen's wife and daughter. My daughter and Jamie are extremely close, Kelvin said. 
After everything they went through, the study that so altered the triplets' lives was never published. Nemerger shelved his findings, and upon his death in 2008, and according to his orders, all documents related to the study were placed with Yale University and restricted until 2065. Through an attorney, the remaining siblings eventually gained access to thousands of pages of documents from the archive. We were given some discs with notes and stuff like that, and it was pretty heavily redacted. Everything I got was just about me. It wasn't about the visits to me versus visits to Eddie, says Shafron. Warder was able to access short clips of film from the study and the end credits play over archived footage of the triplets as toddlers, separately working puzzles, taking tests, and looking at the person behind the camera who was so interested in their behavior. Their research for answers as to why it was ever allowed to happen is still not over. There are people living in New York City now, practicing psychiatrists who were heavily involved in setting this study up. They refused to talk to the filmmakers that made the new Hulu documentary. Even when the brothers had proof they were involved in it. But he hopes once the film is out, there will be a lot of attention of those involved. In the film, viewers hear a recording of the psychologist speaking with New Yorker writer Wright about his work. Newbridge showed no remorse. Sheffron said of that clip, if anything, he reinforced his position. We were subjects and it was a study. But you don't do a study with human experimentation. Robbed of the chance to confront Newbridge in life, Kelman is seen directing his anger into the camera. Why, he says. What did you do? Why? And how could you? Now, if you want to watch that documentary, it is called Three Identical Strangers. It is on Hulu, uh, where a lot of this information came from. I highly suggest you watch it. Well, that's all I have for you this week. And until next time, stay safe and stay sane. You might want to look into it when someone says, hey, you look just like a guy. No. <laughs> See you next week.